You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network, your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody, and thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine introduction. Welcome to Episode 35 of Leaf Sky. Jim Taddy with you for the next 40 minutes or so. Coming up on the podcast today, Bill Waters, former Leafs Assistant General Manager, and Dave McCarthy from NHL.com, Sirius XM, NHL Radio Network. Before we get going, this weekend's UFC 262 is sure to be a can't-miss event. Every punch, kick, and knockout means so much more with a DraftKings lineup on the line. DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the UFC, is giving you a shot at huge cash prizes for this weekend's fight. DraftKings is offering all customers a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. If you haven't tried yet, Fantasy MMA is easy to play. Just pick six fighters, stay under the salary cap, pile up points for advances, takedowns, and more. There's no better way to put your MMA knowledge to the test than to compete for a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes. Plus, don't forget about basketball and hockey, where DraftKings has even more money up for grabs throughout the week. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. All right, ladies and gentlemen, here's the call to action. Download the DraftKings app now. Use the promo code THPN for your shot at millions of dollars in total prizes throughout the week. That's promo code THPN to get a shot at millions of dollars in total prizes only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. All right, into the hockey story. So two games left in the regular season for the Leafs, and what's at stake? Is this a mail-it-in thing? Oh, no, 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 guy, no. The President's Trophy is at stake for the Leafs. Uh, Vegas, as we record this, has one game left. They have 80 points. Carolina has done at 80. Florida has 79. They're done. Colorado at 78 has two games left. Pittsburgh done at 77. And the Leafs at 76 points with two games left. If Vegas and Colorado lose the remaining games and the Leafs win the remaining two games at regulation, the Leafs, even though they would be tied point-wise, would have the tiebreaker with everybody based on regulation wins and would be the President's Trophy-winning team. Now, I know what you may be thinking. You know, what's the value of that? Well, after the second round, when we get into the third round, we then do a reseed, so one against four, two against three in terms of points. And if the Leafs have the President's Trophy, they are obviously one. Now, there's a couple of wild cards here. We don't know what the playing situation will be for the Leafs when we get to the third round. Will they be able to play at Scotiabank Arena? Will the American team be able to come in to Canada and Ontario and, and visit the Leafs? We don't know that. So will the Leafs have to relocate? We don't know that. But they will at least have home ice in terms of final change if they are number one in the league. Now, this is obviously an altered state this year. But there's things on the line here that could develop into meaning more as time goes on. So I'm going to suggest to you 
that you know there's the obvious debate we'll have it with our guests do you do you push for the best you can be and risk injury or do you pull up and just try to get there uh, you can only understand the value of that with retrospective analysis i say go for it but you may be of a different opinion really like the way the leafs are are tracking obviously with the wins over montreal this week uh, they won their last two meetings with the habs and montreal was decimated by injury but so were the leafs they both had five out obviously the montreal roster is thinner and had a greater effect but i will say that you can only envision what the lease would look like with felino riley nash and Zach Hyman back in. The Bogosian situation, because it's a shoulder and he's a rugged defenseman, is going to be a little slower to develop. And the Freddie Anderson situation remains, to me, a huge question mark. Okay, just before we launch into our analysis, this has become known to us. Frederick Anderson will start tomorrow night, Wednesday night, in Ottawa. Sheldon Keefe made that announcement after practice on Tuesday. Nick Foligno, Justin Hall will be game-time decisions. Zach Hyman and Riley Nash are still available. But the breaking story is Frederick Anderson will start for the Leafs in Ottawa on Wednesday night. But they're going to start the playoffs with Campbell. And I don't know when Freddie Anderson appears in the playoffs, but I have a pretty good feeling he will. And that'll be a nervous situation because he wouldn't have played in quite some time when that opportunity arises. And it may be a negative opportunity based on either an injury to Campbell or a lack of performance from Campbell. So whenever that happens... And you hope it happens, well, do you? Do you hope it happens sooner rather than later? Because that would be a playoff stumble early. And and I don't know if you hope for that. So it's just, it's a wicked situation, but I know it's going to happen. I don't know when. I just hope it works out for the Maple Leafs. All right. Our first bit of analysis, a rather lengthy conversation with Dave McCarthy from NHL.com, Sirius XM, NHL Radio Network. All right, Dave, still some stuff left on the table for the Leafs this week. They have two games. If they win out and other teams lose out, the Leafs could be number one in the league. Uh, That would be a nice accomplishment. Uh, How hard do you think they should push for that? I don't think they should push all that hard, to be honest with you. Um, I think at this point, really, for Toronto, it's about getting into the playoffs with as healthy a roster as they can possibly have. I mean, remember, they really haven't had that yet this year. Uh, for any extended period of time. So that would be nice. Uh, So to me, the President's Trophy is a nice little carrot if it was there to be had. But uh, my primary concern, and it sounds like a cliche, but it really is at this time of the year, is to get everybody through healthy. And in a year where you're only playing six other teams, uh, how valuable would the President's Trophy really be? Sure, it's an accomplishment. But it's not like you play the entire league throughout the year, which really is the true measure of the best team in the regular season when you at least play every team once or twice, in, in fact. This year, not the case, so it would be low on my list of priorities. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Uh, you certainly wouldn't discount a Stanley Cup win under these bizarre circumstances. No. But but I know what you're saying, and, and the, you know they've got five guys on the injury list, and uh, you know I'm not going to belittle Bogosian, but I think Ben Hutton's been a nice add. But when you go through the the Hyman and Felino injuries, especially, we don't know anything about Nash because he hasn't played as a Leaf, and Anderson is is just one of those question marks that's going to linger until the ultimate moment. But certainly with Felino and Hyman, uh, this team is as good as there is in the league, and, and maybe the best. Um, and then you've got all kinds of depth. So I. I agree with what you're saying but but having said that the guys i'm talking about are already on the injury list so all you're trying to do is buy time till they get back so i might push for the presidents 
No, I, I hear what you're saying there for sure. And you're going to go out play. You're obviously going to try and win the, the remaining two games. But, you know, as a head coach, this might be the one time where I'd say to a guy, look, uh, you know, if, you're, if you find yourself in the shooting lane, eh, maybe do the old flamingo there. Like, don't leave your foot right oh, in the Oh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's just yeah. not worth getting a broken foot uh, as it would be in game one of the playoffs to get in the lane. Um, and does that make the difference for a goal that might go in that otherwise would not? It could. So that, that's all I'm saying. Go out, win. I mean, when you're going out there trying to play not to get hurt is typically when you do get hurt. But there also is a line. You don't need to dive in front of Pox in the shooting lane like it's, you know, there's 10 seconds left in game one and you're holding a one goal lead. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and that's that's a particular play where it's bitten people in the past. The old um, the penalty kill, just get out of the way, let the goalie see it, and and that creates another issue because at some point this week you would expect Freddie Anderson to play, and, and without being a capologist, I think the natural assumption would be the last game because it would be the easiest to manipulate, uh, and we'll be interested to see that. But who plays the other game? Is that is that a Campbell thing? And and it must be because we don't know when the playoffs start, so you don't want to have him going into the playoffs right as well no that's exactly right i would give jack campbell the start on wednesday uh he last played on saturday he's had plenty of rest you'll have plenty of rest after that wednesday game and like you said as a goalie it's no good when you are sitting around for 10 days two weeks uh, before you play the most meaningful game that you've played all year so um campbell the good thing about him is it's amazing in the last month or so all the questions about his health status seem to have gone away. It hasn't been uh, every single day wondering, oh, is he going to be able to play today? Is he going to be able to get through that game? He's been getting through them just fine. So by that, I would assume he is feeling as good as he has all year long. No reason to, to rest him. Get him in Wednesday and then uh, give Freddie the uh, start in the final game of the year to see what he's got because I think it's already determined that Jack Campbell is going to be the guy that starts game one of the playoffs. You just don't have enough of a body of work right now on Freddie to know where he is. But um, to put him in in the final game is good for him because you may need to turn to him at some point, right, Jim? Because (laughs) you see a lot of teams having to use two goalies. We've seen Pittsburgh do it on their way to a Stanley Cup. We saw Washington do it on their way to a Stanley Cup. Vegas is going to use two guys during the uh, during the playoffs. You'll probably need to turn to Freddie at some point and be good for him to get a real National League game under his belt. Well, and that's a good point because I think most people have anointed Campbell, and, and I'm not being negative towards him. I think he's a he's a really good goalie and has earned the right to start the playoffs. I just have this feeling that at some point Freddie Anderson appears, and I don't know when that is or what the circumstances might be, but you hope that it's a situation where he doesn't um, have have a ring rust and and uh, you know those uh, slow starts from the past don't happen in this particular case. And I just don't know how crucial the situation might be. It might be that the Leafs are losing big time in a playoff game and you put them in to get them some work. But if it's a must-win game, that is going to be a precarious situation. I know it's going to happen, and you just cross your fingers. I agree. It, it will be a precarious situation because he hasn't played in the league since March 19th. And the games that he played in the AHL were more about getting through the game in one piece than uh, about how he actually performed. And he was able to get through those, so that was good. But um, I, I agree, it'll be a you know, sort of tongue-in-your-throat type of situation if he has to come in. Because sure, he's, he's, a, he's a guy that, that can play at an elite level. We just don't know if he is there. And as you said, 
Freddie does have a tendency when he starts up again after a long, long layoff to be a bit of a slow starter. Like typically Octobers are no good for Freddie. And then once he gets into November, it's like, where was this guy during October? So if, if, if November Freddie is there, it's no concern. But when will November Freddie get there when he ultimately gets into the net? That'll be the question. Yeah, that's a big question. There's no question. There's no question about the big question. <laughs> All right, enough of the questions. Um, when I look when I look at this team, I'm really impressed, and and I don't think I've ever said that about a Maple Leaf roster. There's been some good ones in the past, but this roster has the flexibility and the depth of a Stanley Cup champion. Now, I'm not going to anoint that it's going to happen this year, but I know sometime in the next three years, there's a Stanley Cup here, and and I would also base that on, uh, I really like this team because it's got the nice mix of veterans. Going forward, some of those guys will leave, and then there'll be people, and there are capable people on the Marlies that can come up and and add the depth. But but I really like this roster. I I can't predict what's going to happen with an expansion draft and and re-signing Hyman and how all that shakes out this is this is my favorite Leaf roster of all time. Of all time, wow! That well, is going, a, going uh, back to '67. Yeah, it is since yeah. since 1967. This is my favorite Leaf roster. Yeah, it's fair to say. I think because you know, certainly in the early '90s when Dougie and Wendell were going on their run, um, as good as they were, they were never really the favorites going into those playoff runs, right? Like it's certainly not up against LA in the conference final, and Wayne Gretzky uh, and all those guys on that team, um, the Leafs were not the, the favorite, and they ultimately didn't win. Um, and in the Pat Quinn years, it always seemed like they were uh, fighting uphill to an extent as well. Uh, Ottawa typically was better than them during the regular year, and the Leafs found a way to win, but then they would either run into Philadelphia um, or underachieve in the conference finals against uh, Carolina, uh, the one year or Buffalo in, in 99, um, you know, would, would you have said they were the favorite maybe in the Carolina series they should have been, but then they would have got to the cup final and they would have gotten rinsed by your boys down in Detroit. That was laden with hall of famers. So yeah. uh, this year, this year, I think uh, you can make a legit argument that no matter which team you, you, you choose as the opponent, whether it's Vegas, whether it's Colorado, um, whether it's Tampa, uh, whether it's Carolina uh, this year, uh, the Leafs roster stacks up guy through guy, position by position, um, as one that can uh, equally contend and should not be a surprise if they were to get past them. Um, I, I think, obviously, the, the forward core is as good as it's been in quite some time. Um, the, the D has, has been pretty good. Uh, TJ Brody's been a tremendous pickup. He's really, really helped that blue line. It's helped Riley play real well. Um, Muzzin's played better of late. Justin Hall's been okay most of the time when he realizes that he's Justin Hall and not Quinn Hughes. Um, and the bottom pair has been uh, been pretty good with uh, whether it's Dermot, whether it's Standine. You mentioned uh, Hutton, who's come in, who I think has been really good in a couple of games. He's been here in Bogosian. I think he's been pretty good all year long as well. And then yeah. Jack Campbell, you know, the, the record is there. The, the play is there. The only thing that's not there really is the name. But you only get the name once you get it done in the postseason. So there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to continue at this pace. Um, there, there really aren't too many holes to pick at on this Leafs roster. And any other team you put them up against, you can make an argument that they should beat them. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. Uh, you're just waiting to see uh, the return of Felino and, and Hyman and, and what Nash can do. And, and so what I'm really excited about with this team is 
they have enough different looks, enough depth, and I don't know exactly how that is going to emerge or how the chemistry is going to form. And maybe it changes from series to series based on who they're matched up against. But I'm just willing, I, I can't wait to see how they're going to battle adversity because they will be pushed into a corner. And in the best four to seven, it, there's adverse, unless you sweep, there's always adversity. So I want to see how they, how they respond to it and who leads the way. It's going to be very fascinating. They have the parts to do it. The question is, will it happen? Well, that'll be the question because they've yet to do it in the postseason, right? With this group, um, Matthews, Marner, uh, Tavares, quite frankly, Nylander, Riley. Uh, they've had opportunities, but they have been able to come through when the chips are on the line. And that will be the tell to me, obviously, because that's all that matters for this team this year. Their regular season record has been nice, but everybody knows it was what are they going to get done? in the playoffs, especially against uh, a couple of opponents that they'll face if they should win the first round, uh, that unquestionably they are the favorites uh, against, uh, whether it's Edmonton, whether it's uh, Winnipeg, whether it's Montreal. If the Leafs lose to any one of those three teams at any point, that'll be a significant disappointment. That'll be an underachievement of, of quite a high order. Um, so they're, they're there as favorites, but you know everything, as they always say, you've got to plan until you get punched in the nose. And they will in the in the postseason. The game is different in the playoffs. You don't river hockey your way to a Stanley Cup, right? It just doesn't happen. Uh, teams will challenge them, uh, make them play physically. Teams will try to drag them into a fight, so to speak. Not a literal fight, but a hard, heavy hockey game uh, from puck drop to the final horn. Um, and will the Leafs be uh, able to play that way? Will they be able to exact... Um, sort of their, uh, their, their intention on the game? Will they be able to turn the game in the direction that they want it to go? Um, that's what uh, elite season playoff teams are able to do. Um, or as you know, Tampa showed last year, well, they can play any way you want them to. If, if you want to play a skill game, they could play a skill game. Then they, they reform their roster so that if it had to get into a heavier type of game, they could play that way too. And I think the Leafs have done a good job of that, bringing in some different elements. Um, so I'm more confident this year than I ever have been that they'll be able uh, to, to meet the tests that we see in the postseason. But in, until you actually see them uh, meet it and pass the test, you won't know for sure because there's no body of work there yet. Yeah, totally agree. And it's the bottom six part of the roster. So that situation that you're talking about, when the other team pushes back physically and, and does a really – intense forecheck and, and plays along the boards uh, much like Winnipeg did earlier in the season against the Leafs. Who is mm -hmm. the guy who responds with either a, a hit or a goal that turns the game around? Because as you know, in a playoff series in one game, it's, it's one series of plays that, that can actually break the entire series wide open. It's a, it might be a 30 second segment out of a hockey game where somebody either delivers a hit or takes the hit to make the play. And the goal goes in that, that just sways everything. I want to know who that is. And, and I believe it's somebody on the bottom six. I agree. You know, I, I really like what I've seen out of jumble in the last three weeks or so. I'm, honestly, uh, Jim, ever since he uh, rolled, I don't know if you saw the picture, but when they were out in Vancouver, uh, he, Freddie, uh, Austin Matthews, I believe there might have been one other guy. They rollerbladed into the rink, and <laughs> Joe, ro Joe rollerbladed in tarpless, and that's classic Joe. So it almost seems like ever since he, he rollerbladed into the rink, no tarp, 
Do you, do you know the movie Gone in sixty seconds? There's a reference no. here because this. Oh, you don't. Okay. I've, so I've, Nick... I've lived it. I've lived it many times, but I don't know the movie. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Nick Cage is a car thief, and he came out of retirement just to set it up, and he's doing it for a good cause because his brother got in with a bad group, and he needs to steal some cars to settle the debt. Anyway, there's this one car that has always been his unicorn that he's never been able to steal successfully. Eleanor, they called it. Ford Shelby Mustang GT. Just before he's about to steal it, he's like, can you give me a minute? And he's like, okay, now we go. And that really reminded me of Joe that day because it's like before that, his game was eh, just okay. But it's like, okay, I'm 41. I'm not busting my butt for game 21 in the regular season. But with three weeks left, I've been through the battles. Now I know, okay, we got to raise the game up other level here. That was when he got into it uh, later on. Uh, the, the game after he was chirping Ehlers in the penalty box. He's been going at it verbally. He's been going at it physically. He's been starting to produce. Um, he's ready to. He's ready to go. Um, and he's here for one reason and one reason alone. It's to win a Stanley Cup and to impart his wisdom on on what it takes to go deep in, in the playoffs. Because he's gone deep. He's just never won before. Knows what it takes. Um, he's a guy that when push comes to shove, I think he's going to be a guy that. Uh, Sheldon Keefe's going to be able to rely on, whether it's down the lineup, uh, whether it's up with Matthews and Marner. Uh, Joe's shown some real versatility, and I think he has been worth uh, every dollar that they've spent for him, which is the league minimum, which is to say they're getting tremendous value there. Um, he's a guy that I'm really looking at to to show up when the chips are on the line. Well, there's some really nice things that have happened, and we're going to play Yes Guy, No Guy very shortly, just to warn you. Uh, you know, okay. the, the Spencer performance this year, the Thornton, uh, you know, knowing when to push the button. Uh, Simmons, I think, will be a huge factor in the playoffs. Uh, and and the, the uh, adjustment and development of Gelchenyuk uh, has been a nice add because it takes a lot of heat off the rest of the roster. And when you add what Gelchenyuk does, and this guy works very, very hard out there. If you put a healthy Felino and Hyman with Gelchenyuk, you have almost three different versions of the same player. Uh, they all do it differently, but they compete like heck, and they're very difficult to play against. And to have three of those guys is very impressive. You need an element of that on each line. Um, I've been really impressed to see how Galchenyuk has, uh, I guess, transformed his game. Because when he came into the league, that was not what he was all about, right? He was no. you know, sit around, find a soft spot, and just try and hammer away. But where he got away from, or where teams got away from him, was that they were like, look, we can't rely on you, because when you're not scoring, you're not impacting the game in any other fashion. And then he stopped scoring, and then he was useless. Um, but now, he hasn't scored a great deal with the Leafs, but, man, he's impacted the game. He's been first on the puck. He's been strong along the boards. Um I've, I've really liked his game. There's been something there when he hasn't been putting in the net. Question I have is, where is he going to fit, though? Like that, we've yet to see him, Hyman, and Foligno uh, in the game at the same time um, for any you know, extended period of time. That'll be interesting to see because I think you know, Foligno, maybe with Matthews and, uh, and um, uh, why am I blanking, Marner, Marner. Uh, Gal right, Galchenyuk with Tavares and Nylander. Okay, so yeah. then you got a third line of of uh, Kerfoot, Mikheyev, and Hyman, which is fine. Take okay, that. so now what do you? Yeah, I would take that. So now what do you do on the fourth line? Who comes out? We just talked about Joe. I think he's got to be in the lineup. Jason Spetz yeah. has been unbelievable too. 
Like he really yep. has been guys got what 30 points in 40 something games and plays 10 minutes a night <laughs> at yep. 750. Are you kidding me? That's as good a value as you can ask for. Um, and I, I think Wayne Simmons should be in the lineup too. So absolutely. That mean, there's your fourth line. That means there's yeah. your, so that means Spetsa moves to, uh, to center and there you go. Are you okay? Yeah. Spetsa at center. I, I am okay. Um, you know, I mean, there's many ways to cover that over if you feel it's a, an issue. And, and to me, that's, um, I mean, that I would certainly use that in the first round, uh, but every round after that, I would adjust it based on who you're playing and, and how effective the line has been. Uh, it's not an etched in stone thing for me. And, and, you know, these guys are all capable of moving anywhere in the lineup. That's what I like about them. The, the mix and match possibilities with literally every one of their lines, if, if, you know, obviously Matthews and Martin, Tavares and Nylander are standalones, but whoever plays with them and whoever plays on the third and fourth line, totally flexible. Yeah, no, and see, that's something that they didn't have in previous years. Like, bottom six guys were bottom six guys, and they tried to move some guys up, like Kapanen. just didn't work out all that well. Um, but now, uh, any one of those guys on the fourth, like Thornton has shown that he can move up. Um, if you want to move Hyman up from the third line, no problem. If you want to move Galchenyuk up to, to a top line, no problem. If you want to put him down the lineup, no problem. If you want to put Thornton Spezza down, no problem. So that's really good as a head coach that you have so many different options. One, when guys stop going, you can mix it up a little bit, try and find something else. If injuries uh, befall you, whether it's during the course of a series or even in-game, you can move things around. Uh, It's nice to have those options that uh, you didn't have in years past, and it makes you a much more difficult opponent to contend with. Well, and the other option is we never talked about him was Riley Nash. I mean, you could put Riley Nash yeah. in there, and then all of a sudden, Mikheyev has to come out, which is fairly impressive in my books. Yeah, you think it would be Mikheyev, eh? Because well, I mean, who else would it be? Would, well, would it be Kerfoot? Well, I, I, he's too versatile. Well, Mikheyev kills penalties too, and that's I why I, I like Mikheyev a lot. Well, what, what what a great conversation! <laughs> I know, right? I mean, when. <laughs> And that's, and that's the point, right? That's where you want to get your team level of depth to. We're able to have these type of conversations. And if you're having these types of, of chats, you really don't have very many problems. But when you're sitting no. here at playoff time and you're like, oh, man, you know, who's, uh, who's going to be our first-line center that's going to be able to go up against uh, you know, Mark Shifley or Connor McDavid? And you don't have an answer to that question? Then yeah. you're in deep trouble. Wow, that's Montreal's problem with their injury list, yep. right? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, are you ready for this? Producer Mike, let's get the dramatic music in there. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, time now to play the official Leafs guy, yes guy, no guy game. So here we go. Uh, Yes guy, no guy. This is the best Leafs team ever. Ever? Uh, I can't speak to, you know, much before I was born. Certainly uh, not in the modern modern times. In modern modern times. Forget about 1967. It's out. 68 onwards. Yes, guy. Yeah, yeah. no, we yeah. talked about that earlier, and I think uh, I think when when you really look at it, they can they can match up against any team in just about every position. And then you get down to those nuanced conversations like we were just having about who could come out from a penalty killing standpoint, play a defensive role. Those are really really good chats to be that you're being able to have at this time of the year. Um, the uh, the top of the lineup, as you like to say, uh, Tap Man, it's non-negotiable. Um, they're as good as uh, they as good as you can ask for. Um, so yeah, yes, guy, I'd say they are. 
Okay, this one's a bit of a no-brainer, but I have to ask it anyway, just to put it on the record. Yes guy, no guy. Best bottom six collection of forwards ever. Oh, yes guy. And it needs really no further discussion. I mean, it's <laughs> without question, just about any one of the bottom forwards uh, that they have can play higher in the lineup, uh, including a guy like Kerfoot, who's played with Tavares and Nylander at times and has been okay if need be. Thornton's shown he can do it. Simmons has shown he can he can play on on the wing with a with a Tavares or a Nylander. Um, you know, Mikheyev, eh, maybe not ideal, but he certainly got the speed. Yeah, yes guy, absolutely. Okay, yes guy, no guy. It'll turn out that Ben Hutton has a key role in Maple Leaf playoff success. Ah, interesting. Um, yes guy, because I think at times, most times. Teams will use uh, seven to eight defensemen during the course of a cup run. And um, he plays the type of game that I think will really, uh, I guess, pan itself out well in the postseason. He's a heavier guy. He knows what he is. He makes a safe play all the time. Um, You know, like if if Justin Hall were to go down, I wouldn't have any qualms about, about playing him alongside Jake Muzzin. Because I think those would be those would be a couple of guys that would be would be a mean, nasty, heavy pairing uh, to to contend with. So um, you know, you hope you don't get guys injured. But typically, whether it's underperformance or a guy's banged up or whatever it might be, you need to turn to your depth. And uh, um, put it this way: I hate to, to disrespect the guy, but I'm much more confident turning to Ben Hutton than I would be, say, Marty Marinch this this year. Oh, well, absolutely. And, and, you know, if you go back over the Stanley Cup winners, I think you're going to find the 5-6 pairing is asked to compete for 12 minutes a night. And the Stanley Cup winning 5-6 defensemen are generally flawless. It's, it's remarkable how, how clean a 5-6 pairing could be on a Stanley Cup winner. And I just, I see him in there. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I just think the longer the playoffs go, the more, the better the chance that Ben Hutton has some sort of a, a major role in this final yes guy, no guy for this particular Leafs guy edition. Wayne Simmons will be a key factor in physical play and in timely goal scoring in the playoffs. Uh, yes guy again. Um, because similar to, to Joe, uh, Wayne has come here for one reason and one reason alone. He wants to win a Stanley Cup. Um, and he was brought in here to provide a different element that the Leafs were so readily in need of. That is what you just outlined. Uh, toughness, physicality, timely scoring, a <clears throat> guy that can play down the lineup. Um, you know, He knows what his role is all about. He took care of uh, the effort situation. Uh, he knows, look, when, when something like that happens, I don't want to get into that conversation. We've, we've had it before, and I know some people didn't like it, but I hate to tell you, that's the game of hockey. Um, you know, he knows, that, look, that's, that's my name being called there. I got to go do my job. So he knows what his role is. He knows that uh, he's not going to get minutes in the playoffs by wheeling around and trying to be Mitch Marner. He's going to get minutes by being heavy along the boards, uh, hitting everything that moves, and getting to the front of the net. He's well aware of it, and I think he's going to do it. Dave, thanks very much for your participation in this podcast. Jim, it is always a thrill and an honor to be invited to participate with you. Wow. Okay, that's enough of the formalities. Thanks, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And down the hall we go. Our regular Tuesday guest is Bill Waters, former assistant general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. What's your take on what you've seen in the last week against Montreal? Well, uh... You know, Montreal plays a very 
specific playoff style. That's the only thing that is standing between them and, and pretty, not quick defeat, but I, I think the Leafs are much better. Uh, Pittsburgh were much better last year, and Montreal beat them. So I don't think that uh, Leaf fans should take this series for granted at all. I'm sure the players don't because they know uh, the statistics. But based on what I have seen of Toronto and Montreal, and they're evenly matched at times, and at other times the Leafs uh, seem to take over, but their consistency from a strength standpoint is something they're still looking for. So I, I think the Leafs have uh, the better team and should prevail, and uh, we'll proceed to the next step because I think that's obviously a better match, and yet the last time they played, uh, the Leafs beat them three straight at home. So the Leafs are in a position where it's theirs to lose. I hate to put it that way because it's been a long time uh, since we were able to say that at the beginning of any series, uh, but they did find a way to lose after they got themselves into the series. But before entering the series, I think it's reasonable to say that it's the Leafs series to lose. Otherwise, they'll win. Yeah, I mean, Montreal was without some key pieces. I mean, the Leafs had five guys out as well. They had Polito, Anderson, Hyman, um, Nash, and Bogosian out. And the have said were without Deneau, Weber, Price, Drouin, and Gallagher. And, and really, when you go through it... Uh, I'm not going to uh, discount Druin, but the other four are major pieces. And Deneau is kind of a must if you're going to play the Leafs. He's the guy who can try to cancel out Matthews. Without him, there's a gaping hole in that Montreal lineup. Absolutely. Absolutely. And unfortunately, he's got a concussion. So you don't know what the end uh, date is or the end goal is because uh, you just get up every morning and hope you feel better. Yeah. So uh, that will be interesting as it evolves, but your point's well made. Deneau is their guy to match up against the other guy's big guy, and uh, Deneau does not have any bigger a challenge uh, other than uh, uh, Connor McDavid. So you can see how important it is for the Canadians to find somebody or something to combat uh, Matthews. Yep, absolutely. And if you think back to last week on the Monday night, uh, with the Leafs with a, uh, a one-goal lead, Deneau wins the draw and then scores the tying goal. And on Saturday night, no Deneau, Matthews wins the draw, Matthews scores, and that's the eventual winning goal. So, I mean, there's your sway right there. That's, that's huge. Right. Yeah. Uh, there's your little picture. That's your little caption. And without that, Matthews may get too many chances in the wrong zone. All right, so let's talk about the goaltending. Uh, it's, it's been pretty good. There's no, I can't uh, find anything to say other than positives about uh, Jack Campbell. I just wonder, you know, the, the Freddie Anderson situation is sort of looming in the background. He's played uh, a game and a half with the Marlies, and, and I guess the next step would be for him to play in one of the two remaining games, salary cap uh, adjustment required, of course. Uh, but, you know, when he comes back, uh, he's not going to be the number one but I still think at some point he plays in the playoffs, and I just hope it's not a drastic situation. Well, I think you're right, and in your fair, Jim, there is a school of thought within the hockey industry that you never take a job away from your first stringer because of injury. Now, that is applicable during the season when not every game counts, 
and is not applicable, in my estimation, during the playoffs. So it's not like Freddie's going to get the first start in the playoffs. But I watched the game, uh, the Marley game on Saturday, and at times he was unbelievable. Yeah. And uh, he still is, I think he's got his skill set back, and he's got himself in good enough shape to apply it. However, uh, the people that make the hockey decisions will have to decide who's going to play. Or are they going to play one guy against uh, Ottawa or whomever so that it doesn't count in the playoff positioning? Uh, and uh, I, I, would, I would be interested to see if they don't put Anderson in to a full NHL game. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, but even if you played him in one game, and then you had to wait until I'm just I just sort of project into the playoffs. There's going to be a point, in my opinion, somewhere in the playoffs where they're just going to have to change goalies because that's just what happens uh, in that situation. And then you hope that Freddie's ready to step in because it could be a crucial situation. You could be down in a series, two games to none, or even even down by yeah. one game. And and whoever comes in has to deliver. That that's a precarious spot, isn't it? Yes, it is, and uh, with that reasoning, you would think they will start Anderson, or start uh, Soupy. Yeah. And uh, he hasn't let them down. He's had some bad goals, but so does everyone. I, I was not a Soupy guy based on his experience in the NHL prior to getting to Toronto, but he certainly proved once he got to Toronto and got hold of the wheel that he was quite capable. And the Leafs, to uh, Soupy's credit, played extraordinarily well in front of him. There weren't many shots. There was never a high volume of shots, and that was good for Soup. He gave him a chance to gain a confidence that a goaltender always needs. So I think Soupy's ready to go. I don't know if he's the guy you can take all the way. That's all. Yeah, that's a normal assumption. I think most people have that thought in their mind that at some point, Freddie's going to enter the playoffs, and you just hope that it's not – a, a very, I mean, it's going to be a crucial situation because they all are, but you just hope that he's ready and can deliver because it's going to happen. I just, I know it is just because that's the law of averages. Well, based on what we've seen heretofore, is it not fair to say that Supi can handle the first round? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, yeah. and so what's going to change it is if Montreal, they being the fourth place team, uh, play like they did against Pittsburgh. And then you've got to throw in the stopgap, hopefully. But I really think that uh, Freddie's the only guy that can do that. So they're not losing anything by getting Soupy in uh, for the first series. Uh, if Soupy's beating them, I just let them beat them. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And, uh, worry about the second round afterwards because uh, in both cases – Jim, it's not it's not a home fan only that would predict a leaf victory in both series. Yeah. So they're they're good enough to win both with Soupy in goal. And use your theory of well, if it happens, let's hope that Freddie's ready. But based on what I saw, for one, particularly the third period in the overtime, uh, Freddie was sharp, very sharp. So I think he's ready to play. Yeah, and, you know, he went into the shootout. So you saw that, you know, the shootout can be a scary thing for a guy with a knee injury. So he was fully extended. 
there was no ill effects, and, and that was the best news possible for for Freddie. Yeah. Uh, what impresses me well, about he the, saved the he saved the overtime. I mean, he saved them getting into the overtime. He yeah. had four very difficult stops in the last thirty seconds, and I thought, well, this that's that's pretty rambunctious play, and you're getting extended at each side, going post to post, trying to cover. <laughs> Uh, what at that point was a team that the Leafs were floundering, and, and he saved them. And that that's nothing other than an observation. But yeah. within the observation is the thought that he's ready to play. Yeah, this Marley stint is done, and uh, he looked good. He got better by the game, that's for sure. Um, when we talk about the Leafs, what I'm really impressed with, Bill, is their, their collection of people. And this is with, um, you know, no Foligno, no Hyman, no Nash. Uh, the collection of people that could make up the bottom six forward unit, it is impressive and it's versatile, isn't it? It surely is. And, and uh, good, good for Dubas. I mean, he, he's given them enough players to play and uh, none of them look out of place. That's what I find quite fascinating. There's no substitute. There's just another third line, another fourth line. And they let the first two lines be as is and, the, the last six guys know that they can play, and they go out there with that confidence, and I think that's going to be a very significant part of the Leafs story as it unfolds here over the next month. Well, and i got to say, I was originally of the opinion that with some of the older guys that this would be the year, and then there would be some drop-off because they have to re-sign Hyman and, and the roster might get a little thin. But watching the Marley game with Anderson in it, I realized that they have – younger versions that can move up into the bottom six quite readily. They're, they're, this is a deep, deep organization. There's a lot of, a lot of talent there that's, that's waiting to happen. Yes. Yeah. And, and uh, I hadn't seen the Marley roster or any games, so it was interesting to see just who they had down there. And uh, young Anderson, the Peterborough kid, California born is one of their tops. Yeah. Robertson. Robertson, pardon me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Freddie, no, he's, is the, Freddie is the young Anderson. Robertson. <laughs> yeah, I know. Robertson looks like, uh, I mean, he's he's above everybody on the ice in the AHL, which is a good sign. I mean, he's yeah. he's NHL ready, isn't he? I, he? He surely is. He is. He showed his stuff in the World Junior, and he has, uh, I don't think, let them down. He was. He's had injuries. He had COVID, I think. So he, he's had some setbacks. Otherwise, he'll be around in the playoffs, and if they – you get injuries on the third or fourth line, he'll be one of the top candidates. Yeah, it's going to be fun. Bill, thanks very much. We'll talk to you next week. Okay, Jim. See you then. Last minute of play in this podcast. And there is our time warning from a PA announcer, Mike Ross. Time now for the Yes Guy, No Guy Awards, Pierre Engvall. Oh, he's finding the back of the net. And, boy, that bottom six of the Leafs is oh so deep. So to Pierre Engvall, Yes Guy. Freddie Anderson plays a game and a half with the Marlies and gets better by the game and will be making his, uh, I guess, return to the Leafs at some point, we assume, this week. So Freddie Anderson fighting back. Yes, guy. How about the M&M boys? Matthews and Marner. What a thrill it is to watch these guys play, and they deliver on a nightly basis. I don't know how it's going to work out in the playoffs, but I know it is. So an emphatic yes, guy, to the M&M boys. And we end on this. Don't know about the President's Trophy, but they have won the North Division. This is a very good hockey team, so let's give them on the count of three. One, two, three. Yes, guy!
Thanks for stopping by. I hope you enjoyed episode 35. Hope you come back for episode 36 of Leaf's Guide on Friday. <laughs>